Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. So hey, good morning everyone, and thank you so much for joining us here today. So what a week that's been, hey? The uh, coronavirus, now we're on lockdown, the whole of the United Kingdom on lockdown. Uh, we've never seen anything like this before in our generation. So uh, only essential work outside of our homes is permitted. Only essential travel is permitted. Uh, even when it comes to exercise, if we want to walk our dog or we want to take a, a bit of exercise, running, uh, cycling, skateboarding, whatever's your thing, uh, we have to do it for just a limited time once a day. Because of the coronavirus, what a week it's been. So currently 1,000 people in the United Kingdom have lost their lives. An incredible 28,000 people worldwide. In the United Kingdom, 17,000 people have the virus. That's 614,000 worldwide. And because of coronavirus, Prince Charles is infected, as is our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, as is uh, the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, and even the Chief Medical Officer, Chris Whitty, is in isolation, has symptoms because of coronavirus. Last week, if you were here, thank you so much for being with us last week, uh, we were focusing in on God being with us. God never abandoning us. God never letting us go. God hanging out with us. God coming here to save us in this horrible crisis of coronavirus. Today, we're moving on to the most powerful and important thing that we can do with our life. Today is all about prayer. Today, I want to urge you, wherever you are in your homes, in your lounge, in your kitchen, to pray today like you have never prayed before. We're going to focus in on a story from the Bible all about prayer today. So if you can grab your Bible and turn with me once you've switched it on, once you've opened it up, turn with me to the New Testament, second part of the Bible, and to the book of the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 12. So the New Testament, second part of the Bible, book of Acts chapter 12. 12, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 19. It says this, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval amongst the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I told you, this is a story all about prayer. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. 
Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was actually really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. I told you, this is a story all about prayer. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must have been his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, tell the other brothers and sisters about this. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So there we go, a story all about prayer. Today is all about prayer, the most powerful thing that we can ever do with our life. So today's story kicks off with, with a dude by the name of King Herod Agrippa. Now, King Herod Agrippa is the king of Judea, and he is the nephew of King Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas, who was the Herod, the king, at the time of Jesus' trial and execution. You know the fellow that I'm talking about. Well, King Herod Agrippa was a guy who was passionate about persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He loved working for the Jewish people. He also loved working for the Roman authorities. He was a bad man. He was a mean man. And he loved persecuting the fledgling church, the new church of Jesus Christ, born just a few years before. And so he had James arrested. Now, James was the brother of John, the disciple of Jesus Christ, the fisherman from way up there in Galilee. James was arrested and executed at Agrippa's sword. And the Jewish people loved it, and the Romans loved it, and so Agrippa got all excited, and he had Peter arrested. But there was a problem. You see, Peter was arrested at the Festival of Unleavened Bread, which was just before the Festival of Passover, two Jewish festivals celebrating God releasing his people from captivity in the land of Egypt. And even though he was king, even though he was Jewish king, not even he could try someone and execute them during a religious festival, even though he was the monarch. So what he did was get hold of Peter and throw him into maximum security prison, guarded 
by a whole posse of soldiers. And when the church heard about this, they did what every great church across this world goes and does. It prayed earnestly that Peter would be released. I told you, today is a story all about prayer. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. They prayed that God would send an angel. They prayed that God would release the doors of the prison so that Peter would escape. They prayed like that because they'd seen it happen before. Just seven chapters before, Acts chapter 5, Peter and his posse of apostles have been arrested, thrown in the slammer, and so the church prayed, and so the angel appeared and released all those apostles from their prison cell. And so they prayed. And because they prayed, God went and answered their prayer. He heard their prayer and he answered. And an angel rocked up. Now this is the 15th time, the one five time in the stories written by Luke in the Bible. That's the Gospel of Luke and the book of the Acts of the Apostles. The 15th time that an angel has rocked up in our world to go do something completely out of our world. He rocks up. He slaps Peter around a little bit. He takes the chains off Peter's wrists and ankles. He makes Peter get up, get dressed, and then they flee. The first door opens. The second door opens. The outer door opens. They're out of the prison. They're away from the guards. Peter is free. And so he rocks up at Mary's house. Now Mary is the mother of John Mark. John Mark, who is the dude who probably wrote the Gospel of Mark, the second book in the New Testament. He rocks up and he starts whacking on the door. Now the Church of Jesus Christ are doing what every great church should always do in a time of crisis. They're praying. They're praying like never before. They're praying that God would send an angel and release Peter from his prison cell. And so they're praying. And one of their servants, Rhoda, goes to the door. She sees Peter. She hears Peter. And she runs back without opening the door and tells them, Peter's here. He's been released. You stupid girl. You're out of your mind, say the Christians. You see, they're praying. They're asking God to do stuff, but they don't actually believe that it's actually going to happen. But she persuades them to go to the door. And finally, they see the miracle that God has gone and done. Peter released from his prison cell. God's gone and done it again. God is an amazing God, a God of power, a God of miracles, a God of signs and wonders. The church prayed, but yet somehow the church failed to believe. Guys, we've got to do the first bit, but we ain't got to go do the second bit. We've got to be a church that prays like never before but actually believes that God is here and God can do some stuff. Guys, uh, we've got the coronavirus attacking our world. Thousands and thousands losing their lives. Tens of thousands being infected. Hundreds of thousands being infected. A future which looks pretty bleak. Today's all about prayer. We've got to pray. We've got to pray like we've never prayed before. But more than that, we've got to believe that our God is the one, the only one who can turn back the tide. He is the only one who can stop this plague from happening. He is the only one who can stop the coronavirus from spreading. He is able to, be, to do immeasurably more than we can all ever ask or imagine. I know that 
because I've seen it with my own eyes. I know that because I read about it in the Bible. With one prayer, Moses, the servant of God, changes God's mind. So we're back in the desert. The Israelites, who've just been rescued from slavery, are now down in the desert building a golden calf to worship rather than worship the high king of heaven. They're building a man-made object in order to put their adoration in. And God gets mad and God is furious and God wants nothing more to do with his people. He wants rid of them. And so Moses prays. And with one prayer, as he pleads, with one prayer, he manages to change God's mind and God relents. He won't destroy his people with one prayer, one little prayer. I could take you to the story of Hannah. Hannah is childless, can't have a baby. And yet her co-wife, we'll park the co-wife bit for a moment, her co-wife has loads of kids and she's bragging about them and mocking Hannah for having none. So Hannah runs into the temple in Shiloh and she cries and she prays that God will answer her in her shame. And the following year, he provides her with a beautiful bouncing boy. The prophet Samuel is born, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. With one prayer, stuff happens. I could take you to the story of King Hezekiah. Hezekiah is on his deathbed. And so he prays one little prayer and God grants him 15 years of life. I could take you to the prophet Jonah. Jonah is running away from God. He's rebelling against God. God wants him to go do something and Jonah ain't playing ball. And so God has him thrown overboard into a sea and a big fish swallows him up. And from the belly of that big fish, Jonah remembers God and he prays and pleads with God. And God hears that little prayer. And the big fish spews Jonah onto a beach with one little prayer. My friends, just one touch from the king changes everything. In this coronavirus, we need to pray that one little prayer, even like the church in Jerusalem. But more than the church in Jerusalem, we need to not just pray, but we need to believe that God can answer, that prayer changes stuff so this week, my friends, in our prayer hour, every single day at midday or whenever, we need to pray like never before. We need to get on our knees like never before. We need to cry out to God like never before. We need to repent of our sins like never before and repent of the sins of our family, repent of the sins of our communities and, and our nation and our world like never before. We need to plead to God for mercy like never before. We need to trust that God and God alone can bring the healing and the hope and the salvation that this world so desperately, desperately needs. We need to pray. We need to believe. As we close, let me um, take you to the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, while he may be found. That say this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Well, let me take you to the New Testament, the words of Jesus Christ, where he says, ask and you shall receive. 
seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be open to you. My friends, this week, in face of this coronavirus, knowing that only God can do something about it, it's time to ask. It's time to seek. It's time to knock like never, ever before. My friends, it's time to fall on our faces and pray. So wherever you are right now, sat on your couch, lying in your bed, can I ask you to turn and bow to our amazing God and let's pray together. Let us pray. And we're going to begin this prayer by repenting, by saying sorry to God for the times that we've said things that we shouldn't have done, done things that we shouldn't have done, walked away from our God, turned our back on him, rejected him almost on a daily basis. We've rejected the high king of heaven, the one who has given us beauty and grace and hope. Father, we say sorry to you. We plead before you. We fall down before you. We say that you are the great God and we do not deserve your love, but we ask you for mercy. Would you make us whiter than snow? Would you forgive our sins? Would you restore us to your side? Would you restore our families to your side? Would you restore our communities to your side? Would you restore our nation, Great Britain, to your side? Would you restore our world to your side? Would you forgive us our sins? In your anger, please, Lord, remember mercy. And right now we place our trust in you. And we say that our God is good and our God is powerful. He is omnipotent. He is the all-powerful one. He is holy. He is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. And so we put our trust in you like never before. And we ask that you would turn back the tide of coronavirus. That you would bring an answer to our world. You would send your spirit sweeping through this land and this world. So that more people wouldn't die. So that hope would blossom so that Jesus Christ would be praised. We pray that this world gets to know that it is God who's healed them, that God has given them hope, and that they would put their trust in you, in your Son, and in your Spirit. We pray this in mighty Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.